0: This formative period in Australia's history was known to be somewhat of a rough existence, at least for some in society at the time. This era became most famous for the wild tales emerging from the outback of ruthless outlaws. Cattle rustlers, gangsters, all of them using the cover of the dense brush to hide from the authorities. And some of these men, based on sheer reputation of their merciless nature, Would become much more infamous than others. One such man took the crown as Australia's most feared outlaw, Edward Ned Kelly. Beloved Robin Hood to some, and a ruthless murderer and gangster to others. The story of Ned is truly one of a kind. Robbing banks, taking hostages, raining bullets upon police, and of course wearing his iconic metal suit of armour. Join us on Into the Portal as we take a look at the life of Australia's most notorious outlaw, Ned Kelly and the Kelly Gang.
1: Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray.
0: And I'm Andrew McKay.
1: And we're back with a brand new full-length episode for you guys. <laughs> Yay! <Yeah. laughs>
0: you like, I felt like you like had to say it that way because we're so used to saying like Patreon, because that's what we've been recording lately. It lately. feels like it's been a little while since we were on the mic. I guess it's just been a couple of weeks, but we've been releasing the summer series. So Atlantis of Japan was our last full-length episode. Yep. So pretty stoked to be back.
1: Yeah. it's and, uh, It's been a nice little break, but at the same time, it's good to be back.
0: We definitely <laughs> needed it. Uh, wine industry is a pretty wild one.
1: It can be exhausting. It's a little
0: busy for sure.
1: And yeah. But we are I...
0: really pumped for like <laughs> Halloween's coming up, October. We've got a million things on the horizon here for like basically just all of fall. Really, really, really cool stuff.
1: Lots and lots of stuff to look forward to. We're (laughs) getting back into like our... Horror film binging, and we have so many fun things lined up for for the next month and for the end of this month too. Lead up into it, and not only that, but of course, with our straight up strange podcast network, with all of our amazing strange folk, um, we're we have some really fun little collaborations that are going to start coming down the pipe yeah. next month. So yeah, exactly. Lots so to people look are teaming
0: to. up in the network. We are also launching the network blog very yep. very soon, which is dope because there's already completed pieces and they're all super un- unique. Like we we have some mm-hmm. really unique shows in this network.
1: Yeah, it's super fun. And it's only fun. growing,
0: so it's going to be dope. Um, be Strange, we have a clothing line that's coming soon as well. Yeah, Some really cool stuff that's going to be perfect for fall. We didn't really make it in time for uh, for summer, so we have pieces that are going to be ready to go for next year. Mm. But that is coming soon too, so check that out. And, yeah, just like hop over to straightupstrange.com. Uh, last thing, though, for housekeeping, spell uh, Spellcast. One of the uh, other members of Straight Up Strange, they have a really cool event coming up in the New York area. I cannot remember exactly where, but we have all the information you need. (laughs) They are putting on a spell con. Like, it's going to be awesome. Like a Comic Con or like a whatever con. They're putting on a spell con where there's going to be a whole bunch of different vendors and different people presenting custom like workshops and stuff like that all related to like witchcraft and the occult mm, and really cool stuff.
1: It's going to be really cool. So, so make sure you guys check definitely, that out. Definitely, especially if you're in the New York area.
0: So straightupstrange.com has all that information and you can get to their website and check out their show and all that stuff from there as well.
1: Yeah, it's like right on the main page if you scroll past our little logo, you'll see the big banner. You can just click on it and it'll Indeed. take you right there. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, well, you want to, like, jump into this? It's a pretty weird, awesome, unique story we got for you guys. First of its kind on Into the Portal, really?
1: Kind of. It's more of a um, biography, a historical biography Mm. um, of a pretty badass character here. We're talking about Ned Kelly today. Ned Kelly. He's a pretty infamous gangster, gunslinger, and cop killer in all of Australia and beyond, I would say. Especially in... um, in recent memory, too, right? There's been a few <laughs> references in Orlando Bloom film, too. <laughs> yeah, there,
0: There's been a lot. There's been operas uh, on, yeah. on the Kelly gang, uh, different plays and productions and things like that. You know folk songs and folk tales, and he's definitely very famous in Australia, less so outside of Australia and just folklore and history in general. But it's funny because we had seen his face a million times over well before we even started doing this show on the, uh, on the uh, label for 19 Crimes, the wine mm-hmm. <laughs> from Australia, because they feature yeah. all kinds of gnarly dudes and Ned Kellys on one of them.
1: Yes, that was really fun. And we actually... We're gonna buy a bottle of that and drink it while we were recording, and we totally forgot. We Whoopsies. forgot.
0: We've got we've got uh, something else here anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> something in the cup. Yeah. But yeah, I love this story, and it was all thanks to Andrew for the inspiration for this episode and most of the research. If we're being honest, here. well, and
0: big <laughs> shout out to Wes. Our buddy uh, uh, Wes out in Australia because he kind of like, I mean, I brought the story to his attention in a way. He kind of brought it to my attention in a different angle. And then we just definitely shout out to him because he was interested in Ned Kelly.
1: Very cool. Yeah, we love Wes. I I hope he's doing good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But essentially, yeah, this guy was known as a bush ranger. That's kind of cool. Uh, Essentially, these bush rangers were... Um, mostly escaped convicts. And this was in the early years of the British settlement of Australia. And um, they used the bush as a place to hide and plan what they wanted to steal, kill, as well as provide refuge from authorities.
0: I feel like, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Bush Ranger. I'm, I think. Oh. J- I'm just, I'm just, that with that hardcore, like, twang of some kind of, like, that's a just wrang. like. Yeah. But <laughs> that I Yeah. Mean, that was weird the, accent. But your version is definitely a cooler name.
1: Bush Ranger.
0: I mean, they're definitely ranging the bush.
1: Maybe, well, I'm thinking of um, from Lord of the Rings, right? Oh. oh what was indeed. it? It was the Ranger? No, it was something Ranger.
0: Are we thinking? Uh, I'm thinking of Viggo Mortensen's character. mm Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah, no, these guys Whoopsies. were out in the bush and they
0: were gnarly, gnarly
1: guys. Pretty much. And these were the guys that essentially, like you already mentioned, right, they have been... Immortalized in folklore, in songs, um m- romanticized to a certain extent, right? Yeah. But the reality was definitely less so. Um very risky, horrible, horrible life of poverty, essentially scavenging um your yeah. entire existence is evading the authorities and evading basically all of the population because if you're one of these people, you are are an outlaw and you can be shot on sight by anyone, any member of the public. Right. As long as they recognize you and get it right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You'd, uh,
1: and it's kind of crazy. Like they were often motivated by, um, you know, just like a desperation to a certain extent and they knew what was coming for them if they were ever caught. So a lot of times these, these, people ended in a fiery death, essentially of violence and whatever else. And yeah, wasn't pretty. And Ned Kelly is no exception. I would say. Yeah,
0: definitely not. I mean, he was certainly better at evading them uh, and, and, and all that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Bushrangers were, there was all sorts of different shapes and sizes of them. Uh, it, It, to put it, like, nicely, I guess. Like, there was ones known as gentlemen bushrangers that didn't really, you know, the classic kind of, like, nobody gets hurt, but everyone gets robbed situation. Then there's the ones Mm -hmm. at the other end of the spectrum that just killed on site, took what they wanted. But they were almost always, yeah, like you said, like, essentially just, you you know, convicts, former convicts or descendants of convicts, almost all of them are Irish and... It's a shitty life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. Other than the fact that there's no true winter, it still gets pretty cold in Australia in mm-hmm. the wintertime there. So yeah, living in the bush would be pretty rough. So Ned Kelly didn't really start, like that is where his story kind of like went to. But first off, like we'll, we'll start at the beginning here. So he was born uh, June. I don't have the exact date, but June, 1855. Um, In the state of Victoria, at (laughs) Beveridge, which is the hilarious the hilarious name. It's this tiny little town. It's like twenty five hundred people
1: nowadays. Cola. I feel like they
0: must manufacture beverages of some.
1: I hope it's not even spelled the same. But no, but I
0: mean, one would hope that just it's there for the picking, just by
1: association alone,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally, but yeah, he was the eldest son of a guy by the name of uh, John Kelly. He was known as like John Red Kelly, and then his wife, his name was Ellen, Um, Ellen Nee Quinn. So both Irish. His father was born um, in the classic, classic location that everyone would know. And I honestly don't even remember where it's from, but Tipperary.
1: Mm, yeah. It's that's, in
0: songs and all kinds of different things. It's a long, long way to Tipperary. It's f- from where <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: definitely. <laughs> and I guess for them too, at that point. Yeah. If they're in Australia. Right. That's a long way to go.
0: So, of course, this is in Ireland and... Yeah, I mean, his his dad was born around 1820. Around 1841, he was sentenced to seven years uh, for stealing two pigs, or at least allegedly stealing two pigs. So he was pretty young, right? Like, he's only 21 years old. And of course, he was sent to Australia, like almost all convicts were at the time. And yeah, shipped over in a boat, arrived roughly 1842. And he's serving, you know, after serving his sentence, he's in there for seven years. He ended up marrying Ellen and having five children, including, you know, the now infamous Ned ned kelly edward Mm -hmm. kelly is his real name
1: yeah that's a long way to go could you imagine you just have a petty crime like that and they just ship you right out of the country that's it you're done pretty convenient a
0: couple of hogs man
1: well they probably were prize hogs if that was the case i
0: mean yeah they must have been it does seem almost more cumbersome in a way though to like do all that to a person just for that like for you to have to like have the ships and i guess it employed people well, you know it employed I
1: mean? people and it got rid of certain segments of the population that were probably less desirable. Yeah, no, whatever, that was you know? the
0: goal for sure. Yep. Political
1: um population purification am i right
0: yeah i guess that's what they're going for the protestants
1: <laughs> it's a lot more convenient back in the day when there was a lot more, <laughs> more land mass that you could just accumulate. yeah ship them to
0: australia no big yeah. deal this really beautiful place although everything will kill you there so it's kind of a sword.
1: <laughs> another anyway. of the many um edges of living in the the bush
0: yeah no no Australian kidding, right? out back there you yeah. would have to get used to a lot of different creatures and maybe you'd come across a few alien big cats if you're living mm. out there in the blue mountains or other areas of the outback.
1: That would have been a fun thing if we found a reference.
0: That would be like a that. hilarious crossover. Could yeah. you imagine how sweet that would be? <laughs> oh my
1: god, that's awesome. That's almost crazy. like the
0: like the Marco Polo oring pendek crossover. Yeah. although there wasn't much there. We we tried. But it there was wasn't a mention.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, getting back to Ned here, he kind of you know he started off his life relatively normal. He attended school, you know up until his father died on the 27th of December, 1866. So his mother's now a widow, you know, and they're basically left in a pretty desolate situation. They ended up moving into what was described in multiple sources as a hut at 11 Mile Creek. That is never... If you have the word creek in the place you're staying, it can either go one of two ways. It's either going to be a pretty nice place or you're living in a van by the river, basically.
1: Basically. At least you got a river. Water source is important.
0: Well... Yeah, I suppose it would be cleaner back in these days as well. So that's positive, anyway. But this place—this place was between somewhere between uh, Greta and uh, Glen Rowan in northern Victoria. So, anyway, this is where one of the Quins. So this is a guy on uh, Ned's mother's side, one of the family members. Uh, so this is a uh, Ned's uncle takes up a cattle round around twenty-five thousand acres. This is in around eighteen sixty-two. So they're kind of doing some. You know, whatever reasonably respectable things as the family, like they are, they do mm-hmm. have like real business in at the least, area. At
1: least she's got family, hey? Like, that's yeah, big. there was
0: a lot of them there. Yeah. Irish families were big back in the day, mm-hmm. and a lot of them ended up in Australia. So it's just hilarious that there was, you know, family members there. Oh, I yeah. guess some would have come over, you know, not just being shipped as convicts too. I guess. Was that a thing? Mm, Later I don't on, know, maybe. Not, to be maybe honest. Not, maybe not quite this early. Well, but.
1: laborers, you know, but a lot of those would have been convicts too.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Well, nevertheless, although regardless of what uh, you want to believe, if they were trying to be like legitimate business owners or whatever, they were definitely like scrutinized by the police. And they were suspected of all kinds of, you know, different things in connection with horf, horf, <laughs> horse thefts and different just like cattle thefts, stealing farm equipment, you know, yeah. typical things, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But...
0: It a would large, definitely, like a large
1: tract of land they had. they 25,000 acres. Like, cheese,
0: Yeah. Well, nobody was willing to take a lot of this stuff, right? Like, I, we've had this conversation with, with Wesley where he's driving through the outback and it's just nothing. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't even give the land away. Some of it. It's <laughs> like, guess. you could do nothing there. There's nothing for you to do there except for cook in the 50 degrees Celsius heat and die, essentially. I,
1: I wonder, though, if it was the case where it's like, you can take up a tract of land, like similar to what they did in Canada, right, with um, settlers and everything. And you just, as long as you work it and it's, you know, you're using it, then that's yours. And yeah, that's essentially what happened, very, like, for a number much, of years, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. But hmm. it would progress into much more of a life as, like, a bandit because it wasn't going to work out just, you know, on a cattle ranch.
1: No. And who knows, like, it could have been a combination of... Um, of exactly that, right? Like uh, socioeconomic um, prejudice, and uh, and maybe just you know the <laughs> fiery personalities of m- many of these Irishmen. Who knows? But mm-hmm. Ned—they're very endearing. Ned was definitely one of those. Yeah. He uh, he kind of reminds me of that Irish um, UFC fighter guy.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, like oh Conor McGregor. <laughs>
1: yeah, McGregor. He's
0: got a quality like that for I sure. I don't know,
1: maybe, but yeah. So essentially, his first sort of brush with the law himself personally um, was in. 1869 sorry he was arrested for allegedly assaulting a quote chinaman and was held for 10 days until the charges were dismissed i guess right. you know like that's a personal charge so if you decide to drop it then fine whatever there's nothing there but the very next year he was again arrested and he was held in custody for seven weeks hmm
0: that's a long time yes and custody the- for seven weeks
1: i don't know even know how that's possible but i guess they just got away with Whatever out in the outback. That's back. almost two months. That's crazy. That is. That's yeah. That's just one week shy of two months. That's crazy. So I guess they're held holding him and trying to maybe accumulate evidence. But yeah. essentially, this was yeah. a different charge. He was suspected to be an accomplice of a bushranger. Did I say that right? Yes. I think so. <laughs> bushranger Harry Power, right. and he was another convict of Irish descent, and he did essentially he w- the charges were dismissed again i guess they couldn't find anything on him right. and th- he just went about his business but another well i guess this is literally the same year he was again convicted well no oh, again sorry he was again arrested and then yeah. actually convicted right. of bunches of offenses yes bushels oh, bushels and bunches just you know, boatloads.
0: loads they just piled on him they were just trying they were literally I think they were trying to make an example of him. It's like how this sounds.
1: It really sounds as if the the scenario would have been just a very hostile one, right? Yeah. Between this family and. They targeted him, clearly. Exactly, right? And yeah, this time he was sentenced to six months, Uh, he was released. But then, more trouble for Ned. Never ends. He was again arrested and convicted of stealing a like a mare, some sort of horse. Yeah, and cow,
0: some horse.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, essentially, I guess it was in their possession, and it was known to have been stolen. Right. And so he got three years for that. Hmm. Three years. So it wasn't until 1874 he was then discharged from prison, and his mother actually took up another husband. So, yeah, George King comes into Ned's life, Right. and King is, you know, he's a, he's a hard worker. He worked for two years as a logger in the bush, mm-hmm. but again, he, <laughs> it seems as if this is a common thing, stealing horses, he gets in trouble in about two years after that. So, right. yeah, this is coming up to 1876 now, right? and this is just, it seemed, like I said, it seems very commonplace, it's the thing to do. It's Supposedly. the most, well,
0: it's the most, it's it's an easy commodity to steal and it's the highest value item that exists where these people live.
1: I'm more so curious about the political, like the socio political nature of all this, right? If it's people going back and forth, like, you know, if there's actually like feuds amongst these like folk. Oh, like- there
0: definitely was. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't include that in some of these sections here, but I definitely read through parts where it was, um, you know, neighbors that were thought to have been close with the Kellys that then would, you know, turn them in and like, you know, plant evidence and like basically like try to try to like run them out of the community so that they wouldn't get harassed because they were causing problems for people just by being around after a while because okay. they be- they became such a focus for police
1: I see. that mm-hmm. it was a
0: pain in the ass even for these other people, even if they were a little shady and they were cool with the Kellys earlier on and they did favors for each other and it was very much like, you know, they're, they're living on like farms and stuff, right? Like they would help each other yeah. out. Yeah,
1: you need to have a community around you.
0: And, but they would also steal from each other occasionally, right? Like wherever, like throughout different communities. It reminds mm-hmm. me of Trailer Park Boys, like don't steal within the park. Oh, you yeah, know totally. What I mean? But like yeah. sometimes people get pissed off. And yeah, I definitely read some stuff where they tried to kind of, Yeah, they they were definitely pushing police towards the Kellys.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And the Kellys did see themselves as victims of persecution to a certain degree. And yeah, it was. It kind of contributes, right? It's almost like a cyclical effect. You would imagine, right? Because you get more jaded, and then you start doing things that are probably not legal, and then that just reaffirms the (laughs) existing stereotype or whatever preconception, all that jazz. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And.
1: Kelly, like I already alluded to, he's a pretty hardcore guy. He was known to shoot on site, whether you were armed or not. And there were definitely like circumstances where hmm, he gained a bit of a dirty reputation in that degree. Hey,
0: yeah, definitely. That was, that was his reputation. And that was why police were afraid of this guy, man. <laughs> Cause he was a crack shot too. He was, he was oh, yeah. apparently a pretty good shot. So he could hit you from a distance away, you know, shooting from the hip with A pistol, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about some pretty gnarly, amazing, awesome, just gone down in legendary fashion suit of armor that this guy wore.
1: Mm, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, before we get into all that, though, there's a lot of lead up, obviously, oh, and yeah. whether or not these people were simply misunderstood, if they could be even remotely considered an Australian Robin Hood type figure, you know what I mean, all that jazz. It's mm-hmm. really it's all for debate, I would imagine, like, you know, for me. It depends me, who you talk to. Well, yeah, exactly. I right? would imagine a lot of people are set in their ways, and I would imagine there is a spectrum of, uh, of yes. you know, um, people's uh, perceptions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it gets even interestinger. So Ned, <laughs> obviously, he's not the only kid in this family, and... The 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 laundry list goes on, right? They have they're embroiled in a lot of different scandals and crimes related to horses, cattle, um, and like you said already, this district is pretty notorious for all of that. And Ned's younger brother James, he was similarly sentenced to five years imprisonment for cattle stealing. He was released, and then he was again sentenced for stealing horses. They're just yanking
0: cows and horses, man. That's Ten what years. these guys do
1: how is it even worth it?
0: 10 years.
1: 10 years. (laughs) But it seems as if he learned his lesson after he was was released from jail, he ended up just living out his life and died in, you know, of old age in 1946. Yeah. Similarly, um, Kelly's mother known as Mrs. Kelly. Um, despite her second marriage, she died a little earlier than her son. Obviously it was, uh, 1923. Yeah. And yeah, he had another brother, Dan, and he was similarly sentenced to imprisonment for, well, not horses this time. It was actually property. Yeah. And then again, after he was released a warrant for stealing horses. So these people just don't learn their lesson, apparently, or they are literally being framed. You know what I mean? Like, it, it could be a case of some, both.
0: I mean, some of it, yeah, it, it's definitely both. It, I, that, it, that's just the long and short of it, right? Because, like, clearly, clearly these guys are not just... They're not saints that are just getting completely, you know, blamed for horse thefts and things like that.
1: Very true. Uh, but. And it all kind of comes to a head at this point, right? Because um, there is a very infamous incident that happens at the Kelly home. And this was essentially leading up, like, there was a warrant out for Dan's arrest. And so an officer named Fitzpatrick um, decided that he was going to go and try to arrest him. This Fitzpatrick guy go again, like kind of a.
0: I had his first name too, and it's not here, but I'll yeah. we'll pull it up. But yeah, it this, could go
1: either way, though, right, with this guy because he was known to be unreliable, and the scenario isn't quite clear. All the facts have been skewed over the years, right? But essentially, yes. he claimed that Ned Kelly shot him and tried to kill him, even though we just hit his hand. Do you think Ned Kelly would just hit his hand? Well, that's just
0: it. He was he was a crack shot. Yeah. He, if he wanted you dead, you were not going to... If Especially mm. at, like, point blank, you're at the door. So, and just to be clear, Dan was the youngest brother. So, he's showing up to arrest the youngest brother, and that was... Like, that right there, to me, is, like, the... Like, a... Obviously, it's a narrative that's teeing up like a provoked reaction from from the older brother, Ned Kelly, right? Yeah. For, them, for him to then say that he tried to kill me, blah, 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 even though there was witnesses placing him elsewhere at the time and all this stuff.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's the interesting part, right? Because who actually did shoot him then? Did he shoot himself in the hand? Did someone else in the family shoot him in the hand? Like, I don't know.
0: He could have shot himself just a you never know we don't know the personality of this fitzpatrick character
1: yeah but, but. this is kind of where everything kind of kicks off right Dan has to go into hiding. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Kelly, along with her son-in-law and also a neighbor, were all arrested and charged with aiding and abetting this attempted murder of Officer Fitzpatrick. Yes. And they were tried in October of that year and convicted at Beechworth, And that came up in our Airedale Asylum episode, yes, I think. Yes, it hey? did. The mm-hmm.
0: not a Not a nice place. No. Um, and this, yeah, I mean, this definitely... This really rubbed uh, Ned the wrong way. You know, uh, Sir Redmond Barry was the judge of the case. What a name that is, eh? <laughs> he ended up sentencing Mrs. Kelly to, yeah, prison. Three years. That's insane. And then the two males, uh, the, two, the two guys, um, yeah. There was, there was rewards put out for Ned and Dan, who were now in hiding. And it was funny because the rewards started really low. And then it just slowly built up to be, like, record-breaking like rewards for bush in mm-hmm. like in history, and it lasted for a really long time, which is kind of crazy, but yeah, this is where it all kind of kicks off the most infamous rampage, really,
1: yeah, basically, and this is where Ned and Dan are together, and they're hiding in the bush, they're on the lamb, they're angry as hell for and they want to avenge their mother and the, and the rest of their family slash their neighbor, and so yeah, this is um. This is the kind of where where it starts to get interesting, well, even more interesting. Um, this was a quote from a story here that, um, <laughs> okay, I'll read out. So, when four troopers came searching around Stringy, Car- Stringy Bark Creek a few weeks later, um, the Kelly brothers, along with Steve Hart, age 20, and Joe Burns, age 19, shot three of them dead. When the fourth trooper escaped and managed to get back into town with a report, or sorry, the fourth trooper managed to escape and get back to town to report what had happened. So there you are. They're just mercilessly killing cops now. And this is where the Kelly gang, as it has been known to the historical annals of time. Yeah, it was, was born. Actually born. Yeah. Very and cool. yeah, this became more and more legendary. The more papers wrote about him and the more the more they basically just tried to enact their vengeance the public totally. was frightened, enraged. Some were just enthralled by these exploits. And yeah, it was, a, it was a wild time.
0: Everything about this story to me is just like, I mean, obviously it's terrible. Like, I mean, it's, it's full of death and destruction, obviously. So it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, cool, cool, shot three cops. Like, that's not really what I'm nodding about. But there's like a whimsical element to this story in a way, just because of the historical narrative of it like and that's mm-hmm. why people love this guy and he was kind of seen as a Robin Hood figure like you know fighting back against the man right but I just wanted to, to come back to this because I love this name that like him and Dan they went into hiding in the wombat ranges I love that that's just so Australian couldn't get more Australian totally that, yeah. right? uh, near Mansfield, man's field but they're hiding out in the wombat ranges probably eating wombats to survive I would imagine something like that who knows Anyway, but yeah, um, this is where he starts to really get into like, you know what? I'm done with horses and cows and I'm going to start uh, robbing banks. Seems like a better idea. I mm-hmm. suppose they were just more in the outback before. There weren't really any banks to rob necessarily.
1: Well, they just they weren't gangsters yet. They
0: though. weren't. Yeah, they exactly. Were just, they were yeah. cattle
1: gangsters. Yeah, they
0: weren't on Different the breed. run as much. That's right. Okay. Although some of these banks were in pretty small places. But like in 1878, they held up uh, one of the national banks at uh is am I saying that right Uroa Uroa mm. in Victoria for around 2000 pounds decent chunk of change I, I believe wonder that what was the like
1: equivalent a, is Yeah
0: I yeah I had that po- I believe it was like a couple hundred grand or something I think I have it down here a little further but yeah, it was no small amount of money. It was just, he, they cleaned out the entire bank for a town of what like, you know, over 3000 people or something like that. But before the bank hold up the gang seized what was called uh Faithfuls Creek Station as a place to kind of like leave their horses and like get all set up. They changed their clothes there. They cut the telegraph lines by the railway line nearby so that no communication could come into the town. Like Ned was not stupid. He wasn't just a a country bumpkin that was out on a killing spree. That's the cool thing about Ned Kelly. But everyone at the station who happened to come by ended up being held hostage. So he took a ton of hostages in the storeroom.
1: and hmm, Like peacefully took them?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, nobody was reported to be killed. They probably got gun butted and slapped and whatever else. Who knows? That's yeah. my best guess. Yeah, roughed <laughs> right? up a little bit. Roughed up a little bit. Um, and then shortly after this, he ends up leaving and moving on to Geraldine. This is in New South Wales. So, this is just a few months later. He ends up stealing uh, 2,000 pounds in this small town, too.
1: <laughs> Do you say Geraldine? D-
0: did I say Geraldine? G- I think G- it's G- said Geraldine. G- Rildry. G- Rildry. G- Rildry? No,
1: Gerald. R- did we just watch that
0: episode of Bob's Burgers with Geraldine?
1: Yeah, I that's think so. That's just stuck in my head. Geraldine. <laughs> G- <Rildry>. G- <laughs> Geraldine.
0: New South fun, Wales. That's a fun word to say. Okay, thank you for correcting me there. Anyway, so... Couple months later, they're in the small town. They're just ganking cash. They've got tons now. And let's remember one thing here: we said this at the beginning. Anyone can shoot them on sight, okay? And gun, like guns are everywhere, okay? Like they, this is before Australia took them all away. I'm pretty sure, right? And uh, bank owners had them, and people had them. So like this is like super ballsy because they're just barging in, taking hostages, doing all this stuff, and everyone was afraid, which is which is pretty crazy.
1: That was pretty gnarly.
0: Massive bounty on their head too, right? It wasn't just that they could be shot on sight. They had a pretty good chunk of change. I believe it was the equivalent of like 50 grand or something and it kept climbing. It just kept climbing because nobody could catch these guys. Really? So they ended up relieving the bank here of the same amount, 2,000 pounds. They chopped down the telegraph poles again and they locked the police of the city in their own cells. <laughs> which is awesome.
1: Hmm. Uh, Along yeah. with booking the cost of shoeing their horses to the police. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So they held, you know, th- more than 30 hostages a- again and then yeah, they ended up uh burning mortgages and that that were held in the bank safe. And this was all just in 3 days that they did this and this was just like four guys basically. Small little crew, the Kelly gang. Pretty badass. But yeah, I mean, no no person aware of Ned Kelly's presence there really took advantage of this at all. So this is what it was. 260000 Australian dollars at the time would have been rewarded for his capture.
1: The the equivalent the equi- today? Yeah, or?
0: the equivalent today. Okay. Which is a lot of money for that.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Considering all you have to do is shoot the guy.
1: Quarter million, yeah.
0: Right? Anyway. This is kind of a weird thing, though. This is where he, like, he spent three days there. And we're not going to get into this part in any great detail. But he ended up writing this pretty lengthy, like, letter, essentially. And it's known as uh, the Derildery Letter. And it's, a, it's like a manifesto. It wasn't published until, like, years and years later. Like, a hun- like hundred years later. But basically, it was, like, it's a 40-page document that was written by Ned Kelly that is basically him talking about his life as kind of like an attempt at justifying his actions, like talking about why he's done what he's done and everything leading up to what would be his eventual death. The The interesting thing about this letter is that it's now seen as like an early call for an Australian republic because it was obviously like very, very critical of like police and the crown and the whole Protestant you know like prejudice against him and his family and everything else like that Mm -hmm. and so that is another part of the the lore of him being seen as like this robin hood figure
1: that's pretty cool and that definitely like speaks to his intelligence too right like you know and and his ability to rally people if he is so notorious he definitely and got away with it for so long too he definitely had a following hey oh god yeah Mm-hmm. Definitely had a That's following. kind of a shame it didn't surface until like 100 years later though.
0: It's surprising, kind of. Like yeah. he tried to publish it there. Like he tried to like have it like professionally published in the short time he was there, but it, he, they couldn't stay. Like three days was a long time to lock police in their own cells and hold hostages and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah Australia's spread out at this With time No one noticed. what have it. you, but... That's, yeah, you kind of got to like make haste at this point, right? So at this point, like obviously they piece the scene and now, so it's Ned, Dan Kelly, Joe Burns, and Steve Hart, so the four of them, the Kelly gang. Mm. The the bounty on their head, dead or alive at this point, is up to 3,000 pounds and the banks and the colonies chipped in as well. So in in the end, it was around 8,000, like around 8,000 pounds roughly, so about 850 grand. Wow almost a million bucks almost like getting up towards that that's pretty wild dead or alive
1: goddamn crazy
0: yeah so anyway highest reward ever offered for the capture of a bush in australia and that comes from uh, australian folk stories so australian yeah you guys should check it out okay we are, it's about time we talk about the suits the suit of metal
1: you already alluded to this yeah this yeah. is pretty interesting
0: because it's pretty badass So basically, around uh, 1879, the Kelly gang came up with this idea of creating armor that they were using from mold boards, which essentially were just like slabs of metal that they were taking off farm equipment, basically. They would experiment with different types of farm equipment. Some were more penetrable than others, and they kind of did some trial and error and figured out that mold boards were the best. And Hmm. and, that's yeah. Also, super heavy.
1: <laughs> I guess if you're out in the bush too, you have some time on your hands. <laughs> you you definitely prepare. do.
0: And this is, yeah, we get. We'll get into this in a sec. But they actually ended up testing the um, the suits later on, way, way, way later on, to see where they were actually manufactured in the bush, because you could tell, or you could definitely tell between like professional versus a bush uh, blacksmith, because they could only get it to a certain temperature.
1: Mm, and it would yeah. just like show different Campfires. like streaks
0: in the metal and stuff. It was just yeah. really cool. But anyway, um, they were just literally, yeah, they're beating these things into shape like pretty crudely out in the bush, right? It was just like hammers and stuff. And some farmers did sympathize with the Kelly gang and they offered up metal from their farms and others began to kind of, you know, participate. While on the other side, people would report them being stolen. So the path, mm-hmm. the little breadcrumb trail of the Kelly gang was kind of being left by this track of stolen His armor reports, equipment, yeah. basically, right?
1: You would think, too, even maybe if the farmers were sympathetic and were just offering them, then they would maybe have to turn around and report it, too, just because they don't want to be embroiled as accomplices. accomplices sorry. <laughs> I guess. You could
0: always just play dumb, though, and be like, oh, I True. Didn't even know stolen. Oh, oh. I, I guess. But then they could just get arrested for no reason, probably. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was one police officer, though, that was kind of like, he was to this and he was an informer. So he's like undercover. So, uh, or sorry, he wasn't a police officer. He worked for the police as an informer. His name was Daniel Kennedy. And basically he was going around and taking these reports and trying to like catch, catch the trail of the Kelly gang by following these stolen boards and stuff like that. Right. Mm,
1: okay. Um,
0: he's the one who figured out how the suits were made and he would report back to the police what they were up against essentially. So the suits were basically made from yeah, random pieces of metal. Um, they looked very much, it reminded me of, like, the the knight's armor from Monty Python with, like, the, like, it almost looks like a can of soup helmet, like a tin can helmet. Yeah. And then just, like, very, very generic, like a barrel, a barrel chest kind of a, a shape and then just, like, shoulder shoulder and arm coverings. And then I don't even remember if there's leg coverings. We do have an uh, image down below. We'll get to it in a sec. Hmm. But, uh... Yeah. So to be clear, again, it was the Kelly gang. So Joe Byrne, Steve Hart, Dan, Kelly, they're making their own suits of armor and helmets by themselves in the bush.
1: Pretty gnarly. So
0: that they can go fight cops wearing suits of metal in the 1870s. <laughs> like, this is so awesome. I'm just like elated with this story. It's so cool. <laughs> it's
1: pretty bad. It's pretty inventive. Yeah. I feel like that was missing out of the Orlando Blue movie.
0: I wonder. We we actually yeah. didn't watch it. We have to check it out.
1: I have seen it in the past, long, long time ago.
0: A and long time I ago. I just remember
1: a lot of them sitting in these, like, really, like, stick-like woods and stuff and just kind of chilling and figuring stuff out and then getting into shootouts and la-la-la. And, and, yeah, that was basically it. And I think, obviously, I think they all die in the end.
0: Well, that's very fitting of the story.
1: Yeah. 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 Hmm.
0: Hmm. Mm. <laughs> So
1: <laughs> oh, getting
0: back to the suits here, they were heavy, man. These things were like a quarter of an inch thick of just straight iron. And they've got like they're, and they're wielding two pistols and shooting cops and like getting away. Because th- this worked. They rocked these for a while. It, mm. wasn't, it wasn't just for their oh. final shootout.
1: Yeah. And according to these uh, this diagram, it says 91 pounds. That's how much it weighed. So that's like an extra like human on you. That's heavy
0: damn, and we will post this picture when we put the episode up and it'll be on the website too and it's just hilarious. And you guys can see them. They used to be in private collections but they are on display in different museums and stuff now. Mm. Mm-hmm. They kind of got slowly pieced back together and it was pretty hilarious. There was, um, you know, they were all mismatched after the after the massacre. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to like work really, really hard to get the owners of the private collections to actually like agree to swap so that they could put put back together the originals cuz everyone had like a bit little bit of Dan's a little bit of Ned's a little bit of oh, Joe's see. a little bit of this like just random bits. Huh. And they they have been able to repiece together some of the original suits of armor, which is really really sweet. That's really cool. Yeah. So like I was saying before, some of them some people thought that these were made by like professional blacksmiths. So Blacksmiths were getting interviewed and targeted and stuff. Like they were trying to find out if some people were really helping the Kelly gang, like make some gnarly suits of armor. And that's been like the word of the day. I feel like I've said it at least four or five times. I've
1: said it a few times too. That's
0: just like <laughs> I don't even know. It just like works well with these with this group. Yeah. I just feel like you're in the bush, you're in Australia. That is just a good word for these straight folk. up beards. They're looking real gnarly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but. <laughs> As I said before as well, (laughs) later tests would show that basically it was proven that they were forged by the boys themselves in a bush forge, so no more than 7 to 750 degrees, which was basically the maximum temperature you could achieve, just makeshift blacksmith out in the middle of nowhere, essentially, Mm -hmm. which is pretty insane. So these guys would have had to use some serious brute force to actually form these suits into place. Like this is raw iron we're talking about here. And
1: it looks very well formed when you look at it. Yeah. Hey?
0: They were committed.
1: Very and much. The inspiration
0: so. for the suits is an interesting point of contention because nobody really knows where the Kelly Gang got the idea other than just to be like not hit by bullets, I guess anyone could come up with that, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: they're obviously taking inspiration from uh, times since past, right? The medieval era. (laughs) Well,
0: I mean, clearly, because that's exactly what it looked like. But, I mean, there were other, like, more local influences, I suppose you would say. So some people thought um, that they were kind of taking influences by – Performers like witnessing performers um, basically showing uh, Chinese uh, history, right? Like where they had those similar kind of uh, oh, suits of armor, okay. where it's like the, big, like the big bulky chests. Although I think they had different mm. sort of like a different leg pattern. On I them. thought
1: they weren't made of metal, though. I thought it was made of silk.
0: Yeah, but the shape is the same. Okay. I mean, obviously these guys don't have access to silk. <laughs> so Good point. they're not going to make them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The Chinese were also... Like, there were sympathizers because they were also a heavily persecuted group of people, along with the Irish and many other immigrants in places like Australia, Canada, the United States, everywhere, oh, yeah. basically. Yeah, right? they're
1: underdogs all over.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is one other theory, though. This one's kind of cool. Uh, allegedly, Ned's favorite book was uh, written in uh, 1869, it was called Lorna Dune. So. I've never heard of this a set in seventeenth century England, and it was basically about a family uh, of outlaws, very fitting for Ned to enjoy, right? Ooh, and yeah. essentially, yeah, like um they were wearing iron plates uh, on a lot lot of the characters in the book to like basically survive, describes them on horseback wearing suits of armor. so that's wow. a theory that he took influence from his favorite book.:
1: That's cool,
0: which that also makes implies sense. that he's well read.
1: Yeah, exactly. And if he came up with that document, like I said again, right? He's obviously um, um, what's the word enough. I'm looking for? He is able to read and write.
0: Well, he's literate. <laughs>
1: literate. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. the word.
0: <laughs> that's the word. English is hard. English is tough. Are we are hard. very tired right now. Well, we're enjoying this story it's, though.
1: Yeah, it's pepping It's, me it's up. getting to the end of the. You know, it's it's Sunday night. We it had a Sunday long night. weekend. Holy moly! Like this weekend felt like a long weekend, like Holy a lit- moly. legitimate august long weekend it really did but yeah i know this is fun this is our our decompression time
0: (laughs) yeah basically yeah so thank you guys for letting us record this for
1: you yeah we we really appreciate it
0: so anyway these guys they figured out how to build these things they're rocking these just gangster suits of armor robbing banks left and right and by this point essentially the gang has been completely outlawed right so like you know dead or alive and is basically for the three like the murders of those three police officers at uh Stringy Bark Creek. That was the main, that was the main one because there was actually like a witness to it. So it wasn't just kind of like a he said, she said, because there was other Bushrangers out there killing people too. Right. And there's no DNA. There's no like people investigating being like, this is for sure the Kelly gang that killed this guy over here. And now they're in drillery. Right. So this was like definitive because there was a police officer that got back
1: true. And they would have been able to extract the bullets too and would have been able to compare and be like, oh, these guys, you know, they're known to have carried this, this and this weapon or something and blah, blah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this all comes to a head essentially and you could call it retribution for the cops and maybe they were just, yeah, they they had had enough of these guys and they really made their last stand uh, at Glen Rowan. So this is a small town in Victoria. And before we get into this last stand, that is just pretty epic. Yep. We have a promo break.
1: Yeah. We're going to break for all things dreams podcast. This is one of our um, strange network uh, members. Miranda is the host. And this is just such an interesting podcast. It dives into all things related to dreams. She's a really, really entertaining woman and really host, I should say, you know, and I'm also really excited for her contribution. That's going to be on the blog that we're launching pretty quick here. So that's another thing to look forward to from us that we mentioned right off the bat, but yeah, I'm really looking forward. So let's give it up for all things dreams. Hi folks. My name is Miranda McLaughlin and I'm the host of all things dreams, a podcast dedicated to dream experiences and dream interpretation. Are you curious about dreams, but don't have time for all that pesky research? Well, then you're in luck because you can leave the research to me and just tune into All Things Dreams, where we discuss loads of different dream experiences, dream themes, and dream topics like sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, inception dreams, and so much more. Just check us out wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. So yeah, make sure you go check out All Things streams and you can head over to yeah, straightupstrange.com and you can find uh, yeah, her there and everyone else which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. So we're getting down to the final standoff here. The suits of armor they're, they're in their glorious fashion and final display out in the glimmering sun against the, the police that have finally um, basically, yeah, tracked these guys down. So at this point in time like we said they're in uh, Glen Rowan, small town in Victoria. So the four of them they joined up essentially burn and dan were separate from the two when when they moved into glen rowan so ned and Hart were already there as far as we can as far as i can gather from some of the sources we've looked at so basically they took over the hotel very much like they had done at all these other places they went through whether it was a hotel Mm -hmm. or whatever they found a place to board it board up it was uh owned and operated by this woman by the name of mrs ann jones and uh Yeah, in very Kelly Gang fashion, detained about 60 people. Um,
1: (laughs) Managing that between four individuals, (laughs) eh?
0: I know, right? Um, They basically knew everything that was going on in the town. They were really prepared. So they knew that there was a train arriving at a certain time from Melbourne. Their their intention was to kind of like sabotage the railway tracks, um, so tear up some of the rails and basically force some of the workers to do this for them. So they had schemes to try to like basically hold up this town and get out alive. Um, But... Yeah, uh, it never really came to anything because there was this guy by the name of Thomas Cunro. So he was actually held hostage and he was alleged, I think he was a school teacher or something like that.
1: He was at the hotel then?
0: He was at the hotel and uh, he actually allowed, Ned allowed him to leave the hotel with his wife, um, his child and his sister because this is again, the Robin Hood, Robin Hood narrative. I guess this guy was Mm -hmm. nice. We saw he had a wife and kid Clearly didn't do anything wrong to Ned. Maybe he had some sort of Irish descent. Who knows? And he let him go. So that's kind of interesting, right? But basically these guys were getting pretty cocky because the story goes that they were drinking. They were basically just getting drunk. They didn't really drink. They didn't sleep much. They seemed to just be... I don't know, having a good time and, like, pretty cocky that they held up this entire place. And they hadn't been <laughs> killed yet. They've been <laughs> robbing banks and doing their thing.
1: Yeah, just, just running loose and wild. Eh? Yeah,
0: this is, uh, this is definitely kind of the, the downfall for sure. Um, <laughs> Getting
1: overconfident here.
0: Yeah, I think they, the, the suits of armor were definitely a fallacy for them. They felt, yeah. they felt completely, like, invincible. With those suits of armor. Because literally, because they they basically, and they don't even have good movement in these things, right? Like we said, they weigh over 90 pounds. Yeah. And you're wielding firearms at the same time. They they
1: are separate pieces that are kind of like linked together. But at the same time, yeah, that would be awkward. And and a lot to maneuver with.
0: Definitely. And the police knew what they were up against by this point too, because of the informants and because of like, you know, previous incidents. But this guy, this one particular guy, Superintendent Hare... He had been on there. He had been like all, you know leading the case against the Kelly Gang for some time. Organized this entire standoff. They they surrounded the hotel, and this is where the shooting began. They unloaded on the hotel essentially with
1: um, witness or with hostages yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah,
0: I guess. What? I guess they knew. I guess they knew we're in a relatively secure location, and that uh, Kelly and Hart. They basically Kelly Kelly Hart and the gang. They exit the hotel. They're not just inside. They basically come out with their suits of armor. Hare gets shot in the arm, the superintendent. And then Ned oh, okay. is allegedly wounded in the foot because, of course, his his feet weren't protected. His suit of armor was notorious for just having the shoulders and chest plate and then, like, this massive tin can helmet mm-hmm. with this really tiny slit for the eyes. Just, like, totally Monty Python-esque.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. all I can think of right I now. I know,
0: right? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, he, he gets shot in the foot. He also gets shot in the hand and as well as the arm because, of course, it's not covering his entire arm. Um, the rest of them take refuge inside the hotel and Ned runs off into the bush. So this is how the story hmm, goes. Okay. Basically, the the police don't let up at all. So, Byrne is shot. We don't know if he's dead yet. It was in the thigh, but he was possibly shot in the torso as well. He, he ended up bleeding to death much like a little later on. Mm-hmm. This is like 5 a.m. now. Ned was hiding in the bush and he returns, still wearing his armor. So he goes out and he wait, he waits it out for a few hours while the police are still staking out the hotel. He comes out. Obviously, he's been bleeding. And the, the legend and lore of this was that it was a very misty early morning at 5 a.m. And he basically, like, emerges from the woods as, like, this, like, monstrosity, like, looking like a robot with his crazy helmet on and stuff. Yeah. Like, with his double pistols like ready to rock right
1: pretty crazy before you get into the very very end this is funny i just want to read out some of these papers right because there is lots that covered this shootout right and what happened and some of these papers this was one um a capture read or a caption glenn rowan monday night at last the kelly gang and the police have come within shooting distance and the adventure has been the most tragic of any in the bush ringing annals of the colony most people will say that it is high time too. For the murders of the police near Mansfield occurred as long ago as the 26th of October, 1878, and the Ura outrage of December 9th of the same year, as well as the Gerald, or sorry. Geraldry affair on the 8th and 9th of February, 19, sorry, 1879. Yeah. Another one read, um, this was from a local paper called the age said, quote, many shots hit him yet. He always (laughs) recovered himself and tapping his breast, laughed derisively as he coolly returned their fire End quote.
0: Badass. Pretty badass. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, most of these cap, like, so he gets shot a bunch in the legs and eventually he was brought down. We don't even know how many times he was actually hit in the legs before he collapsed. I wonder. This is like Scarface shit right here.
1: Mm-hmm. Just,
0: just getting, like he just won't die. It's <laughs> awesome. It's crazy. Um. So yeah, most of the captives they they succeeded in leaving the building. They had they hid successfully inside the hotel, with the last of them kind of coming out around ten a.m. ish, and yeah, there was one guy who was fatally shot by a police bullet. Um yeah there was a few oh actually, there was one other that did die um this John Jones, uh son of the hotel keeper, he was shot in the abdomen, and he died later in hospital, but um Ned was captured uh Byrne was dead, Dan and Hart were not accounted for, but uh basically the police continued to fire sporadically until around three p m so this goes on literally a full day all night and then into the next day and like the afternoon. That's pretty insane,
1: mm, yeah,
0: um. Yeah. At this point, the police seem to be either running out of bullets or running out of ideas. And they basically set the building on fire because there's no hostages left in it. And they're just like, screw it. Let's flush flush these guys out by lighting this on fire. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, after the fact, they did find bodies inside. Uh, Burns was brought out by the police. The other two were those of Dan and Hart. So they didn't make it. Dan's the only survivor. Or, or rather, Kelly. Ned Kelly is the only survivor of any of this he's arrested mm-hmm. and of course he didn't die right like everyone else goes down ned doesn't go down and he's basically yeah tried uh so october 28th to 29th uh, 1880 uh, in melbourne he's tried for the murders of the police officers at stringy bark creek he's obviously found guilty uh, by judge redmond berry and he's of course sentenced
1: again with the redmond same berry. dude
0: same dude
1: don't hmm. you think
0: there's a conflict of interest there? Perhaps. In a way? Is that even allowed? I don't even know. I mean, obviously back then.
1: I guess. There's not a lot of judges around, I'd imagine, maybe.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So he's sentenced to death. He's sentenced to be hung at Melbourne, right? The 11th of November. And he basically met his end just like a boss. So he goes up there and the the literal quote is, ah, well, I suppose it had to come to this. That's it. With a smile on his face. <laughs> There's another version where he literally just looks at him and they say any last words, and he just says such is life.
1: <laughs> very, uh, <laughs> pretty crazy. Very quaint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty gnarly, man. Yeah.
0: So the suit of armor didn't really didn't really work out in the end, but uh,
1: well, but that's just it, though. It's like. <sighs> Yeah, the suit of armor means that you are really trying to survive, right? You're not just um, just going. Well, to a certain extent, it goes both ways, though, so because then you feel like we said before more invincible, and that kind of gives you a false sense of security. And ergo, you get a little too cocky, and this is what happens. That sucks. So about Dan and Hart, how they just like they poisoned themselves, eh? and then they were just burned beyond. They, their yeah, that's were a shitty way to go. Bits. It's yeah. a shitty way to go. Yeah, not the
0: not the same as Ke- uh, Kelly's. Was had a little more dignity. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, uh, yeah. And he ended up being super famous because of it. Right. And this is where Mm -hmm. we're getting into, like, we're coming down to the end of this episode, but there's this kind of a turn here because this is almost like its own episode in and of itself because there's Mm -hmm. this very, very famous movie made about the Kelly gang. It's called the story of the Kelly gang. And it came out in 1906 and it has become one of the most infamous missing films of all time. Hmm. which is pretty bizarre.
1: Same year as the San Francisco earthquake.
0: Yeah, <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, it was literally the world's first ever full-length film, which sounds kind of crazy. It was the longest of its time recorded in 1906. So, but like the film re- reels went completely missing.
1: Okay, so we don't really know how long it was.
0: Well, at all? I, we do know. It was yeah, it was around just over an hour. It was like an hour and six minutes or something like that oh, I in see. its full entirety. So it was, it was showed in, um, in, in Melbourne in Victoria, like in theaters. And it was met with different reaction across the country. Let's just say that, mm-hmm. um, today there's only been 25% pieced back together of its original, original, like hour, roughly hour, which is kind of really?
1: sad. Really? Is that like available online?
0: Yes, it is. So we have, uh, the YouTube clip in our note, show notes. So cool. you guys will be able to check that out. And yeah, so we'll have it on the website and stuff like that. It's it's interesting for sure. So basically, mm-hmm. I mean, Kelly of course was killed long before the thing was shot. Um, but basically, he's he's, you know, the, the subject of interest by all because of his classic being a classic thug, bushranger, murderer, depending on who you're talking to, right? Um, but the early it's turn perfect of
1: this, for Hollywood. <laughs> well, it, it it is
0: exactly right. So, but like at the early turn of the century, it was. Um, It was possible to bring film to the masses now. It wasn't really before. It was only really done so on a short scale, like super short movies, like two, three minutes, six minutes, 12 minutes. That was like the longest that you would come up with, right?
1: Reminds me of like the Murdoch era film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally.
0: Totally. So obviously it was going to take a little longer to tell the story of the Kelly game because this went on for a long time. They raided a bunch of cities. They robbed a bunch of banks. They killed a bunch of people. This couldn't just be done in 12 minutes. So one of, the, one of Australia's earliest movie uh, exhibitors, this guy's name was Charles Tate. Doesn't that sound like a famous name? Charles Tate. I don't like – it just does anyway. Yeah, uh, I like it. He decided to take the story head on. So he he shot the world's first ever full length feature film, showcasing all the glorious violence that came to be expected from, basically later on noirs and stuff like that, like the Bogards much later on that were still considered pretty risque.
1: Yeah, it's like so always been pretty racy then because like a lot of people weren't used to seeing or even he, like there was no sound at this point, right? So it was just images, and a mm-hmm. lot of them were very pastoral. They're very everyday, commonplace images. Yeah. You don't really show violent acts on film exactly. at this point
0: exactly so it airs in 1906 and essentially just shocked the masses so co-producers <clears throat> millard johnson and william gibson they produced this film over just over an hour action-packed shoot-em-up classic basically so featuring this guy by the name of frank mills who stars as ned kelly uh, nick Brierly plays the classic member of the kelly game uh joe byrne they managed to basically get funding of around 1000 bucks in modern day funds, so not not, oh, not really, that much money, like pretty pretty uh, pretty low budget film, right? Um, but they made it work and the film aired for the first time at the Athenian Hall in Melbourne on Boxing Day 1906, which is pretty cool. Hmm, cool. And the response was interesting. Some loved it, while others were absolutely appalled at the violence that it displayed. Like it was glorifying violence, and you can picture yeah, the—I could definitely of, see that—some of the Protestant community and, and what have you. Uh, yeah, seeing this this ruthless gangster and killer essentially glorified on screen as as a yeah a superhero in a way um, but either way it was a massive success so it circulates Australia it was playing packed houses like people were waiting in line around the block to come see this because it was so violent um, there were even live narrations so at this time there was no sound like you were just saying so they had live narrations with live sound effects with people using blank rounds fired so that it sounded like all of the madness
1: wow that's pretty cool that's like half theater half film exactly right? yeah.
0: how cool is that right So, anyway, uh, the film even actually caused some copycat fans... So there were groups of young Mm. kids that were uh, allegedly, you know, responsible for holding up different things. Like uh, one held a a group gang, held up a uh, a photo studio in Victoria at gunpoint and basically using lines that were known to be from the Kelly gang.
1: A group of young school children.
0: (laughs) Yeah, young thugs. This is is basically what the article is trying to say. (laughs) That's too funny. But uh, this happened, I guess, at several other places across the country and it makes sense, right? It's very much like movies today. People are heavily influenced.
1: Definitely, yeah. And
0: then in 1907, the following year, it goes international. So it airs in New Zealand, um, followed by Great Britain. But then, of course, cinema was moving very, very quickly. And then by the end of the Second World War, like, obviously, it's, it's basically completely lost. Like, the, the gangster films of the 20s, 30s, and 40s, they were showcasing more violence and lasting well over an hour. And the story of the Kelly Gang kind of got forgotten. It was kind of left on a dusty shelf, Yet when it was remembered in the 1960s um, and it wanted to be, they wanted to put it in like the Australian like film archives, the reels were really nowhere to be found. Uh, not a single complete fragment was found anywhere.
1: It's like the Smithsonian.
0: <laughs> very much so. It's bizarre. It is almost like someone who hated the film, sabotaged yeah. it or something, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: wasn't until 1976 that a few very, very short fragments of it uh, popped up in a private collection in Adelaide.
1: Oh really? Yeah, interesting. And okay. this was
0: consisting of literally like two minutes, like very very small amounts, like per reel.
1: Hmm. But or was there damage to them? I wonder. No, like...
0: they were they were um, they were complete, but they were basically like the originals that were used for like editing editing together, like shooting frame by frame. Okay. So they weren't like the finished copy they were they were like real i guess or something like that right like they hadn't been clipped together into the into the full
1: yeah exactly the original
0: full-length copy was just gone like just completely gone
1: Mm -hmm. that's a shame Um,
0: Yeah. And then basically a few years later after that, they started to pop up elsewhere. So some in Melbourne from another collector. I think there was a few in America as well. And then, believe it or not, there was a couple of reels found literally at a garbage dump in the 1980s in a box. And thank God somebody saw it, recognized it as something old and might be cool.
1: Man, all the stuff has been thrown away. Hey, Imagine
0: finding that gem out of garbage dump a piece of the ned kelly film that's so cool
1: yeah that would be really cool you guys
0: gotta go check this out um we will definitely have the link like i said because it's super fun uh it's 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 really interesting to see and of course they depict the suits of armor and the final shootout it's it's pretty sweet
1: Pretty gnarly. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just one more gnarly. The, the modern
0: <laughs> interpretations do not stand up. Let's just say that the 1906, even it, even if it's just 12 minutes, takes the cake for me. I haven't seen the Orlando Bloom version. I haven't seen the operas, but it's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't... I honestly... I think you would just be disappointed with the Orlando Bloom Yeah, I'm sure Even though I Heath would. Ledger's in it too, but you know... I like both they, of those they actors, They both had but Lemons movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm not... I, it's been so long since I've seen that, I really can't make a judgment call, but... Fair enough. Yeah.
0: So, we're at the end. That's the story of the Kelly Gang. Ned Kelly and the Kelly Gang. That's it. Man.
1: It was a brutal ending. It was a, a short-lived affair and definitely just... Like we said right off the bat, it was just a life of desperation, of uh, vengeance, and of constantly feeling like you're a second class citizen to a certain degree, seemingly. Hey,
0: yeah, so much so that you had to build a suit of armor and just steal a ton of cash and go (laughs) on a murdering rampage.
1: Exactly, pretty
0: badass. What do you, where does he rank for you in terms of like the greatest, like, historical badass list? up there (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't have like how do you how do you perceive him after this story like do you see him as a little bit of a robin hood figure
1: well i definitely see him as a controversial one by um by any account do you trust this guy no i don't think i would (laughs) i think it was a very cutthroat situation that he was in in australia at that time especially and you know you kind of make make do with what you got and who knows how all that cattle start cattle stealing and horse stealing really started you know what i mean yeah, and i just wanted a steak man what do you wh- i'm gonna turn that question on you then How, what do you think
0: i fully think that he had the potential to be a person that made a way bigger impact on the world even though he has made an impact on the world just in a different way as being like a famous you know a famous bush now yeah. because he clearly i don't know like i just i it's 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 interesting to think about like what people could be in different like eras you know what I mean like what would mm-hmm. Ned Kelly be in the 60s would he be an outlaw like or would he be like a rock star or something like would he be a wrestler like, are, <laughs> sure would he be like yeah would he be Conor McGregor? would he be a boxer would he yeah. be like right like would it be something know. different you know what I mean yeah exactly but I'm definitely digging on his story I'm a I'm a Ned fan for sure because yeah. cops are were the worst back then
1: mm, especially if they were out for you
0: they were out for it And my favorite part of the story, hands down, is the suit of armor. Because it's just, you don't hear that every day.
1: No, that's pretty badass.
0: Yeah. Forging it yourself in the bush where everything in there is going to kill you,
1: Mm -hmm. including
0: the people who know you have a bounty on your head. Mm -hmm. What a life.
1: Yep. Short, brutal life. Indeed. Poor Ned. Poor
0: Ned. (laughs) Well, we want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. So... If you don't already follow us on social media, and you can hit us up there and like make comment on our posts and stuff, and like let us know what you think of this episode, or if you want future episodes that we haven't covered. So yeah, at Into the Portal Podcast on Instagram, same thing on mm-hmm. Twitter, at Into the Portal One into the portal podcast on instagram and we have a forum going on there so come and join the forum and you can yeah. always shoot us emails as well we love getting your emails at into the portal mailbox at gmail.com
1: exactly and yeah. of course like we said already go check up our check out i should say check, up, check out check them check yeah, yeah. up mm-hmm. and check them out uh, our fellow podcast uh strange crew members over at straight Definitely. up strange yeah go check out that lineup
0: yeah Straightupstrange.com. super simple but we have really cool things coming down the pipe for that website so stay tuned for that and until next time, on Into the Portal.
1: Your gateway to the bazaar.